listening to a resource from Jambrew Anglican Church. And we started off with uh, two readings. I'm going to talk about those ten lepers who were healed, but also we had a, a longer reading from Leviticus, and Jody said some things about that. And I was going to just make the comment, it's good sometimes to have some of those Old Testament readings from Leviticus. It's perhaps not a regular reading diet of Christians to kind of read every day, but it reminds us just how complicated things used to be between people and God. Uh, that if you lived in Israel in Old Testament times, you were regularly up in the temple seeing the priest and doing some sort of sacrifice because of the, the sins that you no doubt done and you were no doubt aware of. And things got even more complicated if you had leprosy uh, because of the way it could spread around society and cause devastation. There's a great process of going to the priest and being inspected and having sacrifices made and being declared fit and therefore able to re-enter society, sort of like having coronavirus, only much, much worse. You know, you had to go through a great, great procedure there. Things were much simpler uh, for us Christians. Uh, For Jesus, perhaps it was complicated to him too, we might say, to take on the sins of the world and to die for our sins on the cross. So a great uh, torment and great time of suffering for him. But he set us free from those sorts of things. So many things that, that were there in the Old Testament have been replaced. I was thinking this morning, I did that sermon last week on Lazarus and how he looked up, in, or how the rich man looked up to heaven. He saw Lazarus uh, seated right, sitting right at Abraham's side. And of course, Jesus was on earth. Now that Jesus has been raised from the dead, things have changed in heaven. Lazarus would be sitting at Jesus' side and Jesus would have re- displaced Abraham, being the head of the Old Testament, but now Jesus, being our great high priest, being the universal king, the head of the new covenant. So he'll be in that central spot in heaven. So things change markedly as we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Well, the sermon is uh, called More Than Skin Deep. And uh, what it's all about, this uh, title, is supposed to sort of intrigue you and wonder, what is it that's more than skin deep? And uh, the, the answer, to give the answer at the very beginning of the sermon, nine the lepers received healing from Jesus. It was skin deep, but only skin deep. But one of those lepers received healing that was much more than skin deep. So that's what we're thinking about tonight. What is it that enabled that leper to receive healing that was more than skin deep? So today, Jesus helps those 10 lepers. And as the Bible reading opened, we saw that Jesus was travelling along with his disciples. And if we look ahead in the the Gospel of Luke, we see he's travelling to Jerusalem for the last time. And there's, there's a picture someone's visualised it. And they're they're on the bo- in, the, in, in the border territory between Galilee and Samaria. So uh, maybe a Jewish village or maybe a, a Samaritan village. Maybe there's a bit of a mixed population going on there anyway. There were, there were ten lepers. He was on the border between the two. And the first thing we're going to do, at, do is uh, look at the ten lepers. The, the Samaritans and Jewish people, by the way, were at each other's throats constantly, whether they were fighting over where the border ought to be or who had the better temple because the Samaritans had built their, all, uh, their own alternative temple. Whatever it was, they were at each other's throats. But I guess when you've got leprosy, everybody's friends again. So there was a group of Jewish uh, lepers and there was a, certainly at least one Samaritan amongst them. Uh, verse 12 tells us that as Jesus entered a village, there ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Uh, As you know, the rules of those days to keep your distance. 
doing a bit of looking on the internet for some pictures I saw of leprosy. I saw there were still pictures of le people in leper colonies, even into modern times. I judged from looking at the black and white photos, maybe just before World War II or while World War II was, while World War II was on, there were still people being segregated in different parts of the world, made to live by themselves in leopard col leper colonies and not allowed to approach distant people, had to keep their distance. Uh, in those days, a per person was labelled unclean. So we had that uh, reading from the Old Testament about just how complicated it was life in those days. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth. They must call out unclean, unclean. I think this was still going on in medieval times in Europe. As long as a serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. And Leviticus was written while the people were camping and travelling through the wilderness. And by the time of Jesus, we're in settled. So they're living outside the towns and the villages, not outside the camps. So they were the untouchables of those days. Uh, like I mentioned earlier on, perhaps a little bit like being isolated with the coronavirus, except it lasted your whole life unless some sort of miracle happened to walk by. Uh, they could receive some food, some, some mercy in one way or another from family members or other villagers. And the news about Jesus passing through that location came to, to the lepers. And so some of them, maybe it was all of them, they decided, let's go and try our luck. So off went the uh, lepers and they had a bit of a, a talk with Jesus. Uh, they called out for, for mercy, and Jesus' voice came back to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And you can remember that's what you had to do according to that reading from the Old Testament, go to the priest and be ceremonially cleaned and so on. That was part of the priest's job in those days, not only to offer sacrifices, but to inspect lepers who who'd clean, claimed to be cleansed, that they were clean and fit to re-enter society. So when the lepers turned away and set out to see the priests, at that moment they were still suffering from leprosy. Uh, we must understand that Jesus knew they would be healed by the time they got to the priests. His words clearly imply this. Uh, it says in our text, uh, as they went... They were cleansed. So they were told to go. Uh, earlier on, Jesus had reached out and touched a leper. This is back in chapter 5. A single leper came. He touched him and he cleaned him there and then on the spot. But these 10 lepers, for whatever reason, Jesus perhaps wanted to test them out to see who'd be thankful or not. He said, go on your way. As you go along, you will be cleansed. By the time you get to the priest, whenever, you will be cleaned by then. So I wonder why he delayed the healing. Well, probably, as I said, just to test them out to see who would really be thankful, whether they would do what he said, whether anyone would come back and be thankful to him. Anyway, they were healed sometime while they were walking along to see the priests. And there would have been much excited chatter, no doubt, as they saw that each one of them was uh, totally cured. But then uh, one, oh, I missed out a slide here. I'm supposed to push a little bit faster on the button. I think this is in your notes. Jesus wanted to see if anyone would make the effort uh, of coming back to thank him. So that's, that's in your notes if you're jotting down notes. So that brings me up to date now. Uh, one leper returned. Verse 15, uh, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet thanking him for what he'd done. This shows a little bit later where Jesus said to, to get up and so on. And here we see the importance of giving thanks to God. And I want us to think for a little while about this topic of giving thanks to God. 
Giving thanks to God is a very strong indication that you are a true Christian. This is one of the sort of thoughts of this sermon, that the one who was really right with God was the one who gave thanks to God. The others were heedless of God. They, they took something good from God, and then they just went on their way ignoring God. I sort of underline this point as I go along in different ways. The true Christian knows that salvation is entirely by grace. So he or she gives thanks often regularly and you should be doing this if you're a true Christian because it's a busy lifestyle that we're caught up in and Christians need to give themselves time to reflect we need to identify the good things that God has graciously bestowed upon us and we need to make a start of thanking him for these things so when we're praying if we fail to give thanks to God when we pray then we must inevitably, our prayer just simply ends up as a list of things, which we sort of like a shopping list down at going down to Woolworths or something and say, here, God, these are the things that I want. See what you can manage with that. But uh, we should be starting, of course, with giving thanks to God for the things he gives us. Parents need to teach their children to say thank you. Otherwise, they soon learn just to depend on their parents and just take everything for granted. So in the same way, in our notes, God's children must also learn to say thank you to their Heavenly Father. So when we're praying, we should start with thanksgiving. This should come before the intercession or the asking section. And then, to round things off nicely, you can conclude by thanking God for his answer, whatever that might turn out to be. Because after all, God is God and we don't manipulate him when we pray. We simply lay our requests before him and entrust ourselves to his gracious goodness. All ten lepers had called out loudly for mercy, but only this one leper offered loud thanksgiving and praise. Wouldn't it be great if our thanksgivings were as loud as our clamouring requests? Notice that the leper gave glory to God and he gave thanks to Jesus. And it says in verse 16, this man amongst the ten, this man was the Samaritan. He was the foreigner. He was a supposed enemy of the Jewish people. So now let's think about the second point in the sermon, who is saved? Well, Jesus was surprised to see, as we saw in the Bible reading, he was surprised to see that only one in ten returned, and this the foreigner. The other nine lepers just continued happily on their way. They were healed. Yes, they were healed. And that healing was permanent because Jesus' miracles always work 100%. But they weren't worried about the source of the healing, just the fact of the good things they'd received. And, of course, the source of their healing was none less than the Son of God incarnate happened to be walking by that day. Do you think they could have reacted in a slightly better way? But that's who it was, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God walking on earth. And so Jesus wanted answers to his questions. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? So what's the answer to this question? Where are the other nine? What's going on here? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreign? The surprise in the healing is that the only thankful one is the Samaritan. You remember these in that border area, in the area where there's disputes between Jews and Samaritans. Now here we see in this miracle, and I want to perhaps, perhaps I'm going to introduce something new to you, perhaps you'll say, oh, I've heard of this before. Here we see what the theologians, the theologians have called God's common grace 
and God's special grace. We're going to think about these things for a little while. God's common grace and God's special grace. Learning about these two similar but different things is one of the main take-home lessons for today. Now, we know that grace, just to remind you, is God's undeserved kindness to humans. So amazing grace, how sweet the sound, is not all about how great I am, but all of, it's all about how God saves me when I didn't deserve it, how I could never save myself. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It's all about what God does for me. So there is God's common grace, first of all. We'll think about God's common grace. It's God giving all sorts of blessings to all sorts of people. So if you're thinking ahead, you'll see, oh, yeah, I can see that the ten lepers are like this. They're receiving grace from God, undeserved kindness from God. They're receiving God's common grace. God is kindly disposed. He is gracious to everyone. And this is because God is a good God and his goodness is extended to humans in various ways. In this miraculous event, all ten had been healed by God even though only one came back. And all the people of the world everywhere received God's common grace in different ways at different times. All sorts of gracious things are given by God freely to all people. So here's an example about our own nation of Australia. We know that governments make laws and uh, law officials like police and judges enforce the laws. And I'm saying this morning, this is God's grace to all Australians to live in a law-abiding country. We've seen often enough on our TV a few weeks ago what happens if the people of a particular nation, like the USA, decide they'll throw the law away, they'll just rampage around the city every night. We see just how terrible that is. It's a great blessing to live in a lawful society. God's grace to all Australians, all Australians, whether they believe in him or not, have the blessing of living in this land in a lawful society. We all enjoy the blessings of living a society which is governed by laws, so sin is not as bad as it could be in Australia because of God's common grace to all Australians. We don't thank him for this. Well, most Australians don't seem to. They just sort of live their lives, kind of like the nine lepers, just sort of, oh, yeah, thank God. Well, let's let's go. That's, That's good. Things are better now. And but by the way, I'd like to show you a little bit of history here. Many of our laws can be traced back to King Alfred, who you may, may, may or may not have heard of, King Alfred of Wessex. That's right, King Alfred the Great, as the English like to call him. Wessex was a kingdom in England before it was a unified country, before it was all just one England. There were little, little kings here and there all over the place. King Alfred was uh, king of Wessex around about the year 800 AD. So quite a while ago, but King, what King Alfred did, apart from uh, burning the cakes, which is one of the stories told about him, and beating the Vikings, he composed the first set of written laws anywhere in England. So he was a bit of a scholar king and he wrote down some laws and he based his work quite deliberately upon the Ten Commandments and other laws in Scripture. And you know your history, the history of Australia is that British law has been brought into Australia. So if you're taking notes, uh, we've got the picture of King Alfred. I got a little bit ahead of myself. I'm getting a bit excited out here, I think. I'm forgetting to push the button. And the notes say that King Alfred wrote laws which reflect God's love and justice. And this is an example of God's common grace to us. 
So I think, I think I'm up to date now. I was wondering, people looked a bit, looking a bit funny at me, scratching their heads, where's he up to? Where am I up to? God's common grace to a huge number of people, uh, the people with an, an ancestry in their constitution of British law, is to, have, is to let them live in society where the laws reflect the Bible even though it's grievous to say that we're undoing that in Australia to some degree today. So we have the blessing of living in a society founded upon biblical law. This is God's common grace to all of us. Now, there are other examples of God's uh, common grace. You could be thinking of some now. You could be saying, oh, yeah, I know, I know. Say, when we had those bushfires in January and we're watching every night the burning of the bush and the towns, and the weather forecaster would come on and say there's no rain till April, unfortunately. And when's it all going to stop? And guess what? End of January, beginning of February, unpredicted, the rains came down and put the fires out. This is God's common grace. He was gracious and merciful to all Australians. How many of us like the lepers? How many turned around and thanked God and gave him praise? I don't know. It might not have been many. It might have been a, a parallel sort of situation. So there's various ways in which God's common grace is shown, many ways. Uh, but as, as I say, I notice that many people don't bother very much to thank God for his common grace. Somebody walking out of a car crash, something like that, that's just a random car crash somewhere or other. Uh, if you walk out of that, it's due to God's common grace. The person might say, my God, I'm still alive, as they walked out of that. But in this expression, my God is probably more like an expletive uh, than a word of praise to God. But nonetheless, that person has received God's common grace. God has kindly kept them alive in a situation when others might have died. But this imaginary person doesn't thank God for it. And this is like the nine lepers who were healed by God, but didn't even bother to think about God afterwards. Over in uh, Matthew's Gospel uh, notes here, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself again. If you walk out of a car crash, it's due to God's common grace. There's a space there for you to fill in. And over in... Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, God gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. God's common grace to believer and unbeliever alike. Now, the other part of this, or the opposite to God's uh, common grace, is God's special grace. You remember we're looking at God's common grace and God's special grace. God's common grace and God's special grace. God's special grace is when God gives his blessing in answer to faith. God gives a blessing in answer to faith. So example, imaginary, I'll just imagine these. No doubt it's happened. An aged Christian calls out to God for eternal life as they lie dying and God instantly reassures them in their heart. And God sends Jesus to walk them safely through the valley of the shadow of death to the other side. Another example, a Christian in a hostile country is on trial in court because of their faith. They feel like giving up, but a fellow believer whispers some words to strengthen them. Another example of God's special grace to this Christian through the ministry of a spiritual brother. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, we have the, the sort of the, the classic verse in the Bible on grace. God saved you by his grace when you believe. Notice believe and faith are the same word in the Bible. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. So it should be obvious to you that even though this doesn't actually say that God saved you by his special grace, it is actually talking about God's special grace. It's something God gives in answer to faith. He doesn't just bestow salvation on everybody. Notice that the ten lepers just went away ignoring God. Uh, nine lepers went away ignoring God. But when we put our faith in God, we receive God's grace, which is forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ in our lives. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So all people receive one blessing or another from God, but the blessing of being saved and going to heaven is not a gift for everyone. It's God's special grace and it's given in response to faith. And notice the test that is implied in this. Are you a thankful person? If you're not a thankful person, then perhaps you're just receiving God's common grace. God gives you good things and you ignore him. God's special grace, we turn around and we thank God. And it's a sign that that person is a Christian. So Jesus said to the leper, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And here we're going to pause for a moment to look at the two Greek words used for healing in the story of the miracle of the ten lepers. Because the gospel, like the rest of the New Testament, is written in the Greek language of those days. Now, reading your Bible in an English translation gives you 99%, probably even 99.9% of the meaning. Sometimes to get that extra little bit, we can get a bit more technical and look at the Greek words which Jesus used. And you don't have to learn Greek at all. I'll just, just tell you I've consulted them and that they're different. Because there's two words used for the healing process in this passage. And our translation shows this. by two different English words. In verse 14, the ten lepers were cleansed of their leprosy. That's one word in the Greek language. Verse 19, Jesus says to the one leper, your faith, he didn't say it's cleansed you, he said it's healed you. So there's two different Greek words. We don't have to worry about what they were, we don't have to learn Greek words. But there are two different words here and they correspond to the nine lepers and the one leper and they correspond to common grace and special grace, of course, as I hope you're catching on. When Jesus spoke to the tenth leper, the Greek word is sozo, which is usually elsewhere in the New Testament translated saved. So it's a word with a double meaning. He could have said, your faith has healed you, or he could have said, your faith has saved you. We have the same in the old English language. Do you remember when you went to the chemist to buy something for your eye, little squirty tube? It was sometimes called eye salve, S-A-L-V-E, salve, salvation, saves your eyes or heals your eyes. So the same old English language shows this word does kind of like a double duty. It heals you, it saves you. The word means both things. Jesus himself says, didn't I heal ten men, using one word? But to the tenth man he said, your faith has saved you. So we note in our notes that Jesus healed the ten lepers, but he saved the Samaritan leper. The Greek word sozo means saved. The Samaritan leper had faith in Jesus. Like the other nine lepers, he received God's gracious healing. But whereas the nine were content to walk away and ignore God, the other one came back to give thanks. 
thus revealing himself as a person who realised that God and Jesus had healed him. And we see various other people approaching Jesus with an attitude of faith, don't we, throughout Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 7, verse 50. Jesus said to the woman, it was a sinful woman, your faith has saved you, there's that word, go in peace. Presumably Jesus means you're at peace with God as well as at peace with yourself. In Luke 8.48, daughter, he says to this woman, this is the woman who reached out and touched his cloak, daughter, your faith has made you well, same word, uh, the sozo word, he's made you well or saved you. Go in peace. Again, the implication, you now have peace with God. Luke chapter 18, verse 43, the word saved isn't used here, but instantly the man could see, this is the blind man, Bartimaeus, and he followed Jesus, praising God. So clearly thanking God for the healing he'd received, which was in fact salvation, because he was now following Jesus. It's crystal clear in Scripture that each of these three persons and many others received healing and salvation. All ten lepers were healed. This is God's common grace. It was given to them whether they had faith or not, or whether they were going to have faith or not. But the one leper sought to glorify God by thanking Jesus, the servant of God, and he was the one who received God's special grace. So rewording that Bible verse from Ephesians, we could say in his particular case, God saved the tenth leper by his, which means not the leper's grace, obviously, by God's grace when he believed. For nine of those lepers, the encounter with Jesus was only skin deep, healed but not saved, not thankful to God. However, the tenth leper not only had his skin healed, his soul was saved as well. It was more than skin deep for him. He was the thankful one. So here's a picture of salvation in this picture of the ten lepers and the one who was saved. The Samaritan stopped to recognise that Jesus was God's agent on earth. He turned around to thank Jesus. He personally accepted the blessing which Jesus gave to all ten and the Lord Jesus Christ gave him even more, which of course is salvation. Now have you followed the Samaritan's lead? Do you just take God's salvation for granted? You hear the gospel week in, week out, it's just, oh, yeah, well, I've heard that before. Or are you truly, you turn around to God and I'm truly thankful. This is a way to test yourself whether you are responding to Jesus or not by the degree of thankfulness in your life. If you haven't, then it may well be that you're walking with the ten lepers who were happy to receive a good thing from God but continued on their way ignoring him healed but not saved. The one who received God's special grace came back to thank him. He said thank you because he knew it was a gift. Nothing he could have done for himself or deserved. Lepers were completely unable to heal themselves. So God saved that leper by his grace when he believed. Salvation is not a reward for the good things he'd done so that he could not boast about it. In fact, he could only praise God and give him thanks. Well, we all receive God's common grace in one way or another, usually pretty frequently. But God's special grace is, as I hope you've realised, in fact, his salvation, which we must simply receive like the helpless leper and then give thanks to God for it. And, of course, we must live a life of thankful obedience to God 
because of his special growth for us. Well, the gospel is for everyone. Probably others were surprised when only the Samaritan returned. But I bet Jesus wasn't. Thank you for listening to this resource from Jamaroo Anglican Church. For more information, head to jamaroanglican.com.